Hello and welcome to another Maramara Baptist Church podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. So yeah, us elders are all taking a turn speaking over the month of January while Declan has a break, which is really good for him. Um, but I was thinking during the week, you know, we've all got very different teaching styles. And so hopefully between all of us, we're kind of catering for everyone somehow. Um, But I was thinking about my own style and I thought, you know, I'm not deeply theological in my my messages. I think I'm probably relatively simple. But I decided today that I'm going to make you squirm a little bit. Um, yep, it's good, to, it's good to be challenged, it's good to think, I've got lots of questions, I don't necessarily have all the answers, um, but we're all going to squirm a little bit together as we look at Jonah and have a, have a look at why do we at times run away from God, why at times do we not necessarily obey what he's asking of us, why do we not always trust God, so that's where we're heading today with our message. Um, Why do we think that we might know better than God and that God doesn't always have the best plan for us? So we're going to have a look at, hello, my name is Jonah. And um, we kind of assume that we all know the story of Jonah because it's a story that gets told a lot in children's church. Is this okay, Danny? Yeah, okay, cool. Um, It gets told a lot if you grow up in church. Um, And often we just leave it there as a kid's story. Um, but it's actually a really powerful story for adults to look at as well from an adult perspective and to be challenged because I think we're actually more similar to Jonah than what we realise. Jonah represents a lot of us um, in our life because we're naturally quite selfish. We're actually quite self-centred. We often think about our own needs and interests before we think about God and what he might be asking of us. We all like to be a certain amount in control of our life. And there's kind of quite a big spectrum of control from the absolute control freaks down to those who are really happy to just go with the flow. But we're all on there somewhere and we all like an element of control. And so it's not always easy to not have control and hand it over to God. So Jonah is the story of a person not wanting to listen to God It's the story of a man having a sulk. It's a man wanting to be in control and do things in his own way, in his own schedule, in his own time, and in his own comfort zone. Jonah is a story of a man. Jonah's also a story of a God who gives second chances and who loves unconditionally and who never leaves us, even if we don't do what he asks Um, God never actually leaves us. He is always there. Um, And it's a story of trusting God when you don't have all the answers or you can't see the bigger picture or end result, but we're asked to trust anyway. So we're going to look at the story of Jonah. Um, I was thinking about, like, we do assume that everyone knows the story of Jonah, got swallowed by a whale and then spat up on the shore. But actually, There's lots of new Christians that haven't grown up in church or haven't gone through a Sunday school type program. And in schools now, they don't do Bible in schools, and this was always a Bible in schools story. And so we can't assume that everyone actually knows the story of Jonah. So we're going to go through it, and then we're going to delve a little bit deeper towards the end. So Jonah's only four chapters long. 
Um, it's towards the end of the Old Testament, and Jonah is one of the nine minor prophets. There's two main sections um, in the book. The first two chapters are about Jonah running away from God and eventually repenting or saying sorry and then doing what God asked him to do. The last two chapters are about Jonah having a sulk um, because he doesn't like how God handled the situation. Um, But today we're going to focus on just the first two chapters about running away from God. So I have a map This is for um, Caitlin and Ash. I have a map. I don't have a laser pointer, but I do have a map. So Jonah started off, um, at the start of the arrow, yeah, I really need a laser pointer, right? Um, Just above Joppa is where Jonah started off, somewhere near Jerusalem, and God had told him to go to Nineveh. Nineveh was a city of 120,000 people, and God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and tell them that they needed to repent. They were doing bad things, um, and they needed to put things right with God. Nineveh is in what's known today as Mosul, M-O-S-U-L, which is in Iraq. Um, And Jonah didn't want to do this, and so he chose to go to Joppa, which was a port town, um, Jerusalem, and go all the way, it's Jerusalem inland, <laughs> it's, it's there somewhere, it's a port town anyway, um, go all the way to Tarshish, two and a half thousand miles away, so Tarshish is in modern day Spain, so if you go to the next map, um, it's kind of a little bit more, um, shows you a bigger picture of that area of the world, so rather than just going the little short distance to Nineveh, He's chosen to basically go on a bit of a cruise across the Mediterranean Ocean to Spain, which we can't really judge him for that because if someone asked me if I want to go to Iraq or Spain, I know what I would choose. (laughs) But that wasn't the point. God had told him to go to um, Nineveh, and he chose not to because he decided he was going to run away. So that gets us where we're up to. How often do we try and run away? How often do we try and go in the opposite direction or just basically not do it at all and ignore what God might be telling us to do? And do we actually think we can run away from God when we think God is omnipresent? He is everywhere. Pretty hard to actually run away from him, but that's what Jonah tried to do. Um, So while he was in the ship, um, God sent a great wind which made the sea stormy. And there were other sailors on the ship. They were scared, um, and they started throwing stuff overboard to try and get the ship coping a bit better with the storm. And they all started praying to their own gods. Jonah was inside, in the bottom of the ship, sound asleep. Um, And the men threw lots to see who had brought on the trouble, and at the end it showed Jonah. So we're going to jump into Jonah chapter 1, starting at verse 8, and we're going to read some of these verses for a little bit. Um, So... Then they said to him, so this is the sailors speaking to Jonah, tell us, who caused our trouble? What is your job? Where do you come from? What is your country? Who are your people? And Jonah said to them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. So interesting, straight away he acknowledged God. He knew that God was real. He wasn't running away or or thinking that God wasn't real. He knew God was real. He just didn't want to do what he'd been asked to do. The men were very afraid, and they asked Jonah, what terrible thing did you do? 
They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had told them. Since the wind and the waves of the sea were becoming much stronger, they said to him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Verse 12, Jonah said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea and then it will calm down. I know it is my fault that this great storm has come on you. Instead, the men tried to row the ship back to the land, but they could not because the sea was becoming more stormy. Verse 14, so the men cried to the Lord, Lord, please don't let us die because of this man's life. Please don't think we are guilty of killing an innocent person. Lord, you have caused all this to happen. You wanted it this way. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea became calm. Then they began to fear the Lord very much. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made promises to him. The Lord caused a big fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. So a few things from that bit. Jonah's disobedience actually had an effect on other people. It wasn't just an isolated affecting only him. It affected other people. It had a flow-on effect to others in a negative way. The sailors on the boat had to throw Jonah overboard. Imagine how hard that would have been for them, the position that Jonah had put them in, where because he didn't do what he was asked to do, others essentially were asked to kill him. And what a horrible thing that must have been for them. They cried out to God, or their own form of God, um, to save them, because they knew what they were doing was wrong. But they also knew that it was the only option. They... They wouldn't have been thinking, it's okay, a whale's going to swallow him. I don't think that would have been on their radar. They were thinking, they were throwing someone over to their death. But Jonah's disobedience wasn't wasted. It still led to people finding God. It says in verse 16 that that sailors all turned to God when the seas became calm. And so even though Jonah didn't do what God had asked... It wasn't a wasted situation. God was still able to reach people and for them to come to know him. So even when we don't always do what we should, actually God can still prevail. His his work still gets done. Um, We know that Jonah got swallowed by the whale. But I find it really interesting that God doesn't let Jonah die. He's still with him the entire time and he puts things in place so he can only fall so far. We all have free will to make choices, and that is the thing with God. He doesn't make us do something. He might ask us, but we still have the choice whether we do it or not. And he will still love us no matter what. His love is unconditional. So he doesn't stop loving us because we haven't done what he asked. He will love us no matter what. And he is still there to look after us. We may not step 100% into the plan that God had for us. This might have been plan A, but now we might be moving on to plan B or plan C. But he doesn't let us fall. It took Jonah to hit rock bottom and to get really desperate before he then acknowledged God. So one thing is we don't know if Jonah getting swallowed by the whale is actually for real or if it's symbolic. Um, If you do research into it, it's really split whether this could have actually happened or not. Um, Either way, I think it's a pretty powerful way to show 
what can happen when we sink to rock bottom. Um, Jonah knew he'd run away from God and been disobedient because he told the sailors. So even before the storm came, he told the sailors that he was running away from God. How often do we know in our gut that we may not be doing what God's asked us to do? I was reading today the word for today um, on Friday was about sensing and seeing God. And it talked about how we obviously will have the five senses, but the Holy Spirit's a little bit like a sixth sense where it's that, that guidance, that gut feeling. As much as we might see something or hear something, the Holy Spirit is our sixth sense that might give us direction and for us to, to learn to get in tune with that sixth sense and hear what the Holy Spirit might be saying to us and trusting that sixth sense. As much as we trust our eyes or our smell, learn to trust what the Holy Spirit might be saying to us. Um, In chapter two, Jonah's prayer gets really desperate. He'd got really, really low. He'd had three days in the stomach of a whale. And if that's actually legit, oh, that's pretty gross, eh? Um, his, when you read through chapter 2, his prayer is so dramatic. Um, for people that would have loved English at school and loved analysing things, you would love chapter 2 because there's all these bits in there that it's like, is that for real or is it not? Um, verse 5 of chapter 2. The waters of the sea closed around my throat. The deep sea was all around me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. You know when you're in the beach at the ocean and someone gets a big clump of seaweed and throws it at you? Like, it's kind of gross, eh? But Jonah's saying I had seaweed wrapped around my head. I don't know if that's legit or if that was a metaphor if he felt like life was getting strangled out of him. I don't know, but either way, he was at his rock bottom. So it There's five or six verses there of of him being at rock bottom. And then when he gets to verse seven, he says, when my life had almost gone, I remembered the Lord. I prayed to you and you heard my prayers in your holy temple. So it took him a bit longer over the three days to get to the point of remembering the Lord. How often do we get low before we remember God and maybe that we should pray? That's not said judgmentally or to make anyone feel guilty. I think we all do that at times. We get so caught up in the situation that at times we actually forget to pray and to give it to God. And Jonah was no different. Once Jonah had finished his prayer, he'd gone from very dramatic and miserable to verse 9. He says, but I will praise and thank you while I give sacrifices to you and I will keep my promises to you. Salvation comes from the Lord. So he'd gone rock bottom, acknowledged the Lord, and then said he was sorry for what he'd done. And once he'd got to that point, then verse 10, then the Lord spoke to the fish, and the fish threw up Jonah onto the dry land. Then we have chapter 3, verse 1. The Lord spoke his word to Jonah again and said, get up, and go to the great city Nineveh and preach to it what I tell you to say. So Jonah went through this whole journey to then come back to God saying, I still want you to go and do what I'd asked you to do. You're not getting away with it. Like You're still the person that I called to go and do this mission. 
Um, So just some things to think about with that. Even when we run away, God still takes us back. He still forgives us. And he's still willing to use us again in the future. He is a God of second chances. He doesn't say, you blew it, I'm moving on. But God is a God of love and forgiveness who wants to use us. He's a God of patience who knows that at times it might take us a while to catch up to the bigger picture. But he's a God who waits for us. Sometimes, when we go through this journey, like Jonah did, there might be consequences that comes from that. So we make choices, and there's consequences, and we can't just forget or ignore those consequences. You might still be covered in a bit of fish juice, like Jonah was. And so sometimes we go through life, and we have to wear that fish juice, like Jonah did, It doesn't just disappear from us, but it becomes part of our story and our identity. So although we may not always do what God asks us to do, as part of God's love and forgiveness, he can use us anyway, but we we take those things with us and they become part of who we are. Um, We tend to at times go around in circles, right back to the beginning of what God had originally asked us to do. But through that, God never leaves us. And when I look at Jonah, and he was stuck in the belly of a whale, I'm sure he must have felt like God had left him. Like, what could be worse than being stuck in the belly of a whale? But actually, that was God's safety net for him. That was what stopped him from dying. So there was a worse option. So sometimes I think we get caught up in a situation and we feel like God's completely left us. But actually in that moment, we are in God's safety net. We're in the belly of the whale, going through our journey, maybe hitting rock bottom. God hasn't left us. He's provided a safety net for us, but we don't always recognize it as that. Sometimes God asks us to do something big or small. So... God asked Jonah to go to a city and tell them that they'd all been bad and they needed to repent. Sometimes, when we think of God asking us to do stuff, sometimes we think of, you know, missionaries having to go overseas. But I'm also talking about the little things. So when God might say to you to go and talk to a stranger or talk to your neighbor or reach out to someone that needs help or get involved in something at church, um, God asks us to do all sorts of different things. And we tend to, at times, say, okay, when it fits into my schedule, when I've finished this, or when I've saved up more money, I'll do it, or once my kids have left home, I'll do it, or when the kids have started school, I'll do it, or I'll do it tomorrow because I just don't have time today. Obeying God is often on our own terms, and we try and negotiate the terms a little bit like Jonah. So my question is, why? Why do we do these things? We can often be quick to quote verses to others, but do we accept, um, do we accept them for ourselves? Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. 
Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. How often do we tell other people that? But do we believe it for ourselves? Are we trusting God that he will direct our path and that we don't have to understand things? Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. We know these verses, but do we actually put them into our heart and believe them for ourselves? We often don't always think that God's plan is the best plan. Sometimes we don't always trust in the goodness of God, that he knows the stuff that we can't see. He knows the bigger picture, and he knows the end result, and that God has the best plan for us and is asking us to trust him and be obedient. Why do we, why do we struggle to trust that? Imagine how amazing our lives would be if we fully trusted God and didn't try and interfere or control or have our own agenda or schedule. It's worth thinking about, eh? Some stuff's really easy. God might ask you to do something, and that's really easy. You were thinking about changing jobs anyway, or you were thinking about moving house or moving town or whatever, and and it's a confirmation. Those things are easy. It's the stuff when you're actually settled, you're happy, you're content, and then God speaks. And it's like, ah, oh, those are the things that are way harder, eh? And it's not always big things. For me, <laughs> when I became an elder, I felt like God really spoke to me about making it a priority to be at the 9.30 prayer meeting on a Sunday morning. Um, that if I wanted services to go well, that I actually had to put in a little bit of work as well. And for me, um, I can be at work every day at 8.30, fine, but Sunday was my sleep-in morning. That's not the morning that I want to be at church at 9.30. I would often drop Emerson in it, the music team have to be here at 9 o'clock, and I'd be dropping her off in my jammies and dressing gown, hoping like heck no one sort of came to the car window to talk or anything because I was not presentable, thinking there's no way I can be here at 9.30. That's sleeping day. That's my chill morning, long leisurely breakfast, and we'll rock up to church at about 25 past 10. It's not a major, it sounds really silly saying it out loud, but it still felt like, it's like, oh, this is going to be a bit of work. But I knew that God had challenged me on it. And it's funny because I do it most weeks. I do it. And it's funny because when you actually start doing it, it doesn't feel like a burden. And I don't feel rushed. And I don't actually feel like I'm sacrificing a sleep in. Every Sunday morning, it works out just fine. And sometimes when you actually make that choice to be obedient, God just sorts all the details but it takes us to make a step. And so when I'm talking about all the stuff, it's not necessarily major things. Some things might be major. For me, that was quite a small thing, but I still had to make the choice to do it. So my question through all of this is, do you trust God? And I'm not asking that with any sort of judgment and certainly not to make anyone feel guilty. As I said, we're going to squirm a little bit. Just, it's good to 
it's good to be challenged. It's good to think about these things um, and to go away and think, God, what might you be saying to me? And what might have you been talking about that maybe I'm choosing to not listen to? Are you listening? Do you trust that what is on the other side is better than my plan? Somehow we think that the plan that I can come up with is better than the plan that God can come up with. Are we trusting him? We have to actually take a step of faith. Faith means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. Sometimes we don't know the bigger picture, we don't know the end result, but we take a step of faith, trusting that one day it will make sense. Um, I asked my daughter Sydney if I could share her story. So Sydney's down here. We've got three kids, Sydney's our middle one, and she's 19, and in four weeks and one day, she, (laughs) yeah, I just saw her face, she flies out to Scotland, um, to Paisley in Scotland, which is just outside of Glasgow, to go and do a discipleship training course with YWAM. She doesn't want to go. <laughs> she, had, she has lived her life with no desire to travel overseas, no desire to go and do an OE. She's very happy in Matamata, um, never really wanted to move out of Matamata. She is settled. Uh, She's got a good job, she's in a great flat, she is happy. And she went to work uh, one day in June last year, and over that day, God spoke to her so clearly that she was to go and do a DTS with YWAM, and that it was to be in Scotland. So over the morning, um, he spoke to her about doing a DTS, and it's actually, it's a really cool story. I won't go into all the details, but like sort of got, um, Sid started thinking that God was talking to her. So she was like, God, if this is you, you need to do this or show me this. And everything that she put out there, God did. <laughs> so she'd put more and more and God just kept, to the point that by lunchtime, eh, you were like, okay, God's actually telling me this. God, you need to start telling me where. And over the afternoon, he started talking to her about Europe, Scotland, Paisley, she came home and said to us after work, she goes, thank God's told me I've got to go and do a DTS with Woe. And we're like, oh, cool. That's, that's cool. You will love that. She goes, in Scotland. <laughs> oh. <laughs> she was absolutely freaked by that. Um, and we talked for a bit and we were like, you don't have to go to Scotland. There's one like a K down the road from our house if you don't want to have to leave. But actually, it's good for her to go a bit further than that. But we're like, there's other options in New Zealand. There's options in Australia. You don't have to go to the other side of the world. And she actually burst into tears and said, God has told me Paisley, Scotland. And through the whole thing, any time you bring it up or do you want to look into other options or whatever, she just goes, nope, God's told me Paisley. She just knows 100% and there's nothing to discuss, as much as she's absolutely terrified, God has told her Paisley, Scotland, and that is what she's doing. So she flies out in a month, she'll be gone five and a half months, and this 
has been hugely challenging for me. It's a funny thing, eh, when you get to a stage in life where your kids challenge you, how they are living their life and choices they're making starts challenging us as adults and as the parents. Um, This has been hugely challenging to me, her faith that she has heard from God and that is what she will do. Um, And we ask the question all the time, why Scotland? Why Paisley, Scotland, God? And absolutely, this is true for that. Faith means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. She might get there and understand why Scotland. She may not get an answer till the end of her course or when she gets home. Or she might never get an answer as to why God has told her that. It might be God just wants to see if she's actually going to listen to him or not. We don't know, but sometimes you have to make that choice to do something, not knowing the bigger picture and not knowing all the answers, but trusting that God has a plan and you will be obedient and leave the rest up to God, no matter how uncomfortable it might be sometimes. Um, In Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. This is where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane before um, they take him to go and um, put him on the cross. And he knows that people are going to be coming for him. Um, Matthew chapter 26, verse 39 says, After walking a little further away from them, Jesus fell to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, do not give me this cup of suffering, but do what you want not what I want. And I think it's really important there that even Jesus was honest and said, I don't want this. And I think it's okay for us to be honest as well and say, God, I don't want to do that. But then he also says, but do what you want, not what I want. And so Jesus was honest, but also said, but God, I'm willing to do your will, and I'm trusting you with it. And so I guess the question for us is, what will our response be when God starts speaking to us about stuff? Will we respond like Jesus and be honest and say, but if this is your plan, I will do it? Or will we respond like Jonah and run in the opposite direction and say, no thanks, but sometimes we end up coming around to that point anyway. It just takes a bit of time. So to finish, through all of that, whether we listen or whether we don't listen, it's really important for us to know that God is a God of unconditional love. He's a God of mercy and compassion. He's a God of patience. Well, we go and maybe get swallowed by a whale and covered in fish juice and sort of come back eventually, God is patiently waiting for us, loving us the whole time, and he's a God of second chances that uses us even when we're covered in fish juice. He will use us anyway. You can't run away from God, but faith means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse and stepping out in that. So my question is, do you trust that God knows best for your life and only has the best for you and therefore are willing to act on that when he asks you to do something. So I want to finish up. Um, The music team can come. 
And I'm going to get everyone to stand up and just want to um, close in prayer. And just want to give people the opportunity as we sing the last couple of songs or after the service, if anyone's wanting to come up for prayer, please do. We would love to pray for you. Sometimes we actually just need need to um, hear what God might be saying. Sometimes it's the hearing bit is the thing we need prayer for. Sometimes it might be the it's really hard to obey and to actually take that step and to trust him. Trusting can be hard, and sometimes we need prayer for that. Sometimes we might feel that you know God's asked you to do something and you haven't done it, and you might be carrying guilt for that. You don't need to feel guilty for that. God doesn't want you to be consumed with guilt, and you might be wanting prayer for that. And so if you do, please feel free to come forward during the singing or at the end of the service or um, get your connect group leader or someone to pray for you. We don't want you to leave here wanting prayer and not having taken that opportunity. And so, Lord Jesus, we just um, give all of this to you, Father God. We are all at different places with this and in our journey and trusting you. Father God, but I just pray that you'll speak to each one of us and just help us to step out in faith and to step out and trust you, Lord, with what it is that you have for us, Lord Jesus. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to connect with us more, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or you can send us an email through our church website, maramarabaptist.org. See you soon.